the following, a podcast dedicated to two words Jesus used to change the world, follow me. He used it then and he uses it now. What does it mean? Does it define the boundaries of our relationship with him? Come and join us as we explore follow me in the following. Welcome to the following today. My name is Tim Lester. It's been a while since I've been around. Um, you find that when you're uh, dealing with Parkinson's, you have to uh, let the times arrive with kind of a perfect coalescence of three factors. The, your, your voice, because my voice tends to wear out pretty early in the day. Um, the time available when the house is quiet or quieter. Uh, and then the dexterity it takes just to operate the machines while you speak. So all those things have come together again. And uh, we're back again for for at least a brief while this morning. Um and one thing I need to do is, is thinking back now two podcasts ago, because last time was with, with Seth. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, I forgot to mention the name of the book. I did all this long reading of this book, but the, the name of the book is In His Steps. It's a hugely best-selling Christian, Christian novel written in about, uh, published first in 1996, written by a guy by the name of Charles Monroe Sheldon. And um, <clears throat> it actually w- uh, was published, he left it unprotected. So it was picked up by a number of people, and it, it sold more than 500,000 copies, and at one time was ranked among one of the best-selling books of all time. Um, <clears throat> the full title of the book is In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? So he, he gave birth through this youth group in uh, Michigan to the whole What Would Jesus Do? movement. Um, and we had gotten to the, our discussion. We had come to look at some verses in First Peter, um, and... Uh, it became very clear that in our discussion of the following, uh, that we would be being part of a, a lineage of following that goes back all the way to when Christ rose and went back to heaven again. Um, that we that um, we would need to take, take a look at some things. It would give us an illustration of, of what the whole following from generation to generation looked like. Uh, Peter said, uh, after describing the, the breath of God's salvation, ready to, ready to be revealed to us in the in heaven, you know, in the last days, in verse First Peter chapter one verse six says, "In Him you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, it is necessary for you to be distressed, have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire." Be found to result in the praise and glory and honor and the revelation of Jesus Christ, and it <clears throat> describes this uh, generation of people who lived right on the, the axis of the the people who knew, knew Jesus and uh, had witnessed his miracles, uh, as they <clears throat> went off the scene by death and and uh, just in the natural progression of time, uh, handing the faith over to people who had never seen Jesus and only heard the stories about Jesus, and. Um, and the importance of the one generation following the next generation as they follow Jesus. Just need to focus on some examples of people who followed Jesus. And in this case, Peter was the leader of the the, the Christian, uh, the Jewish portion of the church, and and he was in First Peter, as we'll see as we go through the book a little later on. Um, it is just a, a description of what it means to, to follow Jesus and what, what he he gleaned from Jesus, uh, because in the, the, the in the following uh, is all about encouraging us to keep our eyes on Jesus, 
um, to follow the leader, as the children's game used to call it. Have you ever watched an artist do a portrait? Before the advent of the digital camera where you have the capacity to take and produce a display of almost a limitless number of perfectly rendered photos that an artist can stick all over his wall and they had to ask the subject to sit uh, and still uh, in good light for hours so the artist could um, um, paint the drawing. They would just sit there perfectly still while the artist would draw first, first draw, draw, first draw, and then paint for hours with his eyes darting back and forth between the subject and the canvas so as not to forget what the subject looked like. A French artist named Paul Cézanne would require his subjects to come in for at least a hundred um, sittings. Can you imagine that? Uh, artists understood that in order to duplicate the appearance of a person on canvas, you had to know it. And that knowledge comes only after hours of focused attention. Hebrews 12 mentions that in relationship to our, um, uh, our walk with Christ. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we have... So great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. <clears throat> now, the art of the, um, the the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish believers, trying to encourage them to stay faithful to Jesus in spite of the difficulties and persecutions that was coming from every direction. Written about the same time as First Peter, Hebrews was written to embolden the Jewish Christians to keep them from surrendering their faith and returning to the compression that comes from being under the law. This passage turns on the word, therefore. Now, it, this sound, may sound like a, a, a school-age axiom, but <clears throat> one of the rules of Bible interpretation is when, when you come across the word, therefore, before you proceed, you've got to find out what the therefore is there for. Um, it, it, because it generally points to... Um, uh, some logical reaction or or application or the next action that's supposed to be taken for specific teaching, uh, therefore, it, it, therefore, therefore points to the next step. Um, as I said, that's why we always need to see why what the therefore is there for, and it, to find out what therefore in Romans, uh, Hebrews twelve, excuse me, is about. You have to look at Hebrews eleven, and 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 if you've been around the faith very long, you know that the Hebrews eleven is a, the Hall of Fame of Faith, and <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews goes back and gives a, um, a, a runs through a, a whole lot of people who um, exercised faith before Christ came, and uh, you know we've talked about the following being a multi generational, even including people who followed the promise of Christ before he was born. Um, in the simplest of terms, faith is believing in God and fashioning our actions and attitudes after the example provided by His Son, Jesus Christ. The basic nature of the following is fixing our eyes on Jesus and others who followed Him before us, followed in line. He's, he was put this way. Now, the faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God, so that it was seen, what is so that what is seen is not is not made out of the things which are visible. The writer then begins brings us before us a list of Old Testament followers and how they activated faith in their lives. Uh, Abel offered a better sacrifice to God. Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. 
By faith, Abraham, when called, obeyed. By faith, Sarah received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. And by faith, Jacob blessed the sons of Joseph. By faith, when he grew up, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, Moses led the people to the Jordan River and on, on, on the dry land. <clears throat> by faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish. And then there was Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and the rest of them. Uh, all the way down to us. Therefore, he goes, Hebrews 12 goes on to say, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us uh, also lay aside every encumbrance and sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the, the throne of God. Now keep in mind that the, the, the original receivers of, of the book of Hebrews were, were a suffering group of Christians. They wouldn't fit very nicely in our um, generation of Christians who seem to, their view of activating faith is to ask God for something really big like a jet uh, or, or that God would bless their faith with prosperity. Um, and here are the, the people who are in the birth pains at the church who are giving birth to the, the church, uh, God's spirit, um, are doing it with, with poverty and, and um, persecution. And he says, since we have a great cloud of witnesses who, who preceded uh, them at the time, um, let us um, lay aside every encumbrance and sins that so easily entangles us. The author, he was, understood that when the pressure went on, it's easy to sin, and, and that, that sin becomes an encumbrance to following Christ. And then he said, and this is the, the, the key part of the following, he said, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat, has sat down at the right hand of the Father. So our responsibility as individual believers is to keep our eyes on Jesus. <clears throat> I don't think there's going to be an opportunity in heaven to say, well, you know, I, I, I followed this leader and he led me wrong. Because the response from heaven is going to be, you should have kept your eyes on Jesus. And the leader who led you wrong will have some things to answer to for before the Lord. But uh, your you, get-out-of-jail-free card, uh, metaphorically speaking, <clears throat> is not going to be that I'm, uh, I had a bad leader. Because we're, we're all responsible to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and make our actions um, emerge from the, that relationship we have with Christ. Goes on to say, for consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, focus on Jesus. It never will get as bad for you as it did for him. So, whatever hardship you're you're enduring, and, and, and most of us are have first world um, problems. I mean, some some people have some legitimate problems. We have friends that are struggling, uh, and a friend of the podcast that's really struggling with some health issues and. And people dealing with sadness and relationship problems, and I understand their real, real difficulties. Uh, but sometimes I think we we um, hold God uh, accountable to provide us a, a fairly um, lush life with little resistance, and so that any resistance it seems like persecution. Um, but we're, when we when we feel struggling to, to respond as Jesus would respond. The response is not to look away, but to look at Jesus. Um, and, and and Peter, 
in Peter's life, we get to watch him um, make the decision to follow Christ and then stumble and stutter and sputter and st- until he finally is embodied with the Holy Spirit and he grows into this man of faith that gives us the first, first Peter. But we have to remember that, that he really didn't have the best goals. He, but he, he was an early adopter. He, he was one of the disciples that was with, um, came to speak to Jesus with John the Baptist before Jesus came around in John chapter 1. Um, says John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus, and he walked by the and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God." And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus and turned and said, "What, what are you seeking?" And they said, "Rabbi, um, where, where are you staying?" And he said, "Come and see." So they came and saw, and and when they heard Jesus teach, they were convinced that he was the Messiah. And one of those two, John, calls um, um. The, the John's mate was named Andrew, and he he called his brother Simon Peter, and said, "We found the Christ. Come, come right away." And Simon uh, came and and saw Jesus, and and when he walked up. Jesus said, "You are Simon, son of John. From now on, you'll be called Peter." Or actually, he said Cephas, but it's it's a it's a one Arabic, one Greek um, word, which means Peter or the Rock. Um, and we'll see that later. To that statement of Peter is it becomes foundational not just a statement for the church um, and it was it was after John was arrested um, that um, Jesus came no it was before John was arrested no, actually it was after John was arrested um, Jesus came along and, and Simon was the first uh, Simon Peter was the first disciple uh, that Jesus uh, actually called to be on a team. So he, he was the first in and, and, and really assumed a position of leadership. He was probably older um, uh, than the rest of the team. Uh, it was married and, and may have had children. Um, he definitely had a wife. Um, and um, he, he, along with um, Andrew, left his business immediately and went to follow Jesus. Um he was uh, the list of the apostles was named. He was um, the first to be named um, as a as a, as an apostle. Um, <clears throat> he was the first to learn some of the highs and lows of growing in in Christ. Uh, the Bible says um, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him on the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, <clears throat> he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the, the waves, for the wind was against them. So in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the water. Uh, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, it, It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, and saying, Take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you uh, on the water. This is Peter to a T. Lord, if it's you, let me come walk with, on the water with you. And Jesus said, Okay, come. So Peter got out of the boat. 
and started walking on the water. Of course, when he got there, he realized where he was. He was in the water. And, and you know, he did the math. Uh, people don't walk on water. They, they sink. And, and the minute he took his eyes off of Jesus and, and focused on the math, he began to sink. Uh, and, and he said, cried out to the Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Well, they got the boat, the, the wind ceased. Those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, he's the son of God. You see, he got it. Uh, he got it really quickly. And uh, was free in his expression uh, of that. Um, a little later on, um, Jesus quizzed the disciples in Matthew 16. He said, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So Peter started as a fisherman, uh, um, had this great spiritual experience of stepping out of the boat and then and had great carnal experience of, of sinking in the water and being pulled out again. And, and then the, the, Jesus quizzed the team and, and Simon came up with this theologically correct expression of who Christ is and his nature and, and uh, his place in the, 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 the Trinity. Um, and, um, And shortly, just shortly after that, um, he, you know, um, Jesus comes and tells him about the cross coming up, and and Peter said, "Never, Lord, we'll never let you go to the cross." And and uh, Jesus said to Peter, "Peter, get thee behind me." And uh, so Peter really stumbled his way to leadership. And uh, when we get together next um, time, we'll we'll. Pick up and look at John chapter 20, 21, where Jesus, because um, after after um, uh, he's corrected for rebuffing Jesus when he talked about the cross, uh, Jesus a little later on said, you know, all of you are going to desert me. And Peter said, I'll never desert you. I'll stay with you. And Jesus said, I'll tell you this, Peter, that um, before the cock crows, You'll deny me th three times, and Peter said, "Never, not, not me." But that's ex exactly what happened. And so even after the resurrection, Peter was delighted and overjoyed to see Jesus alive again. But he was also uh, very broken because of, he had uh, denied Christ. And so they have this little meeting on the beach in John twenty-one, and we'll take a look at that before we launch into First Peter. Um, but I just wanted to. to give that just something to think about because it, we want to get next to Peter and and, and f think about his, his walk next to Jesus as he as he begins to notice what how Jesus would respond and he changes his ways to 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 adopt Jesus's ways and we'll spend a little time before in, in Acts looking at the the changes of thought that Peter had to go undergo to be the leader of the the, the uh, Jewish Christian church that embodied the the Gentiles too. So it's it's going to be an exciting thing. Thanks for um, listening today. And and listen, I want to thank a special friend. I, I'm just I'll just call him John. 
uh, that's his name. And um, one of the difficulties I was having was that my dexterity on operating a mouse was becoming more and more difficult. And I couldn't get the mouse to stop over where I needed to punch it to make the sound stuff working. And, and uh, um, I shared that with, with John and, and uh, that there was a brand new product out that um, would allow me to do it in a much different way that's more tactile and, and doesn't require kind of miniature movements that I, I can't do anymore. And John was the was um, generous enough to, to secure one of these pieces of equipment, and uh, so I want to bless him for that. And um, listen, have a great time, and um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, and we'll look in the rest of um, Peter and the Gospels and the Book of Acts, and, and get ready to launch into uh, Peter as he as he writes to the next generation of of, of, of the following. The people, he's looking at realizing that all the people who were of his generation who knew Christ were going or gone. And he writes to prepare the next generation, our forefathers in the faith, and to help them walk with Christ. So God bless you and goodbye.